0: When I say the past 24 hours in terms of coaches and football has been mind-blowing, I mean mind-blowing. I definitely did not expect everything to transpire the way that it did, but that's why we have lots to talk about this morning. Everybody, Outkick the Morning starts right now. Hello, everybody. Welcome on in to Outcake the Morning featuring your girl, Charlie Arnold. Um, Wow. I I truly did not wake up yesterday thinking that the show today was going to look the way that it did. And then I didn't wake up this morning thinking, oh, I have even more information to bring all of you guys. But this is where we're at. Uh, The past 24 hours in the coaching world in football has been crazy. There's a few coaches who have been absolutely legendary names, that when you think about football, 100% synonymous. In the past 24 hours, we have seen the firing of Pete Carroll. He's out at the Seahawks. We have seen the retirement of Nick Saban from Alabama. And we have seen the mutual parting of ways. That's that's the way that they're phrasing. I'm going to go with it. Uh, between the Patriots and Bill Belichick. Uh, it's, it's truly a day, a 24 hours, that as a football fan, I don't think you will ever not remember. This is always going to be a time when you think back, oh my God, did that really happen? Uh, so let's get right into it. Let's, let's first start with the Patriots and Bill Belichick. Uh, we just learned this morning, um, per a couple different sources that the two entities officially parting ways on mutual terms, of course. Uh, and this really just writes the final chapter for what was the NFL's most dominant dynasty of Truly the century. I mean, look back at what the Patriots were able to accomplish under Belichick, winning Super Bowls in 2001, 2003, 2004, 2014, 2016, and 2018. Uh, he was there for 24 seasons, leaving with an impressive 266 and 121 record. Uh, that's just regular season games. Uh, his playoff teams, even more dominant, uh, compiling a 30 and 12 record. Uh, That, of course, like I just mentioned, led to one, two, three, four, six Super Bowls under Bill Belichick. Of course, the past couple of years uh, have been a bit of a struggle for the Patriots. Once Tom Brady decided to uh, go his separate ways uh, going on to Tampa Bay, uh, the Patriots truly did fall on hard times. But that does not take away what Bill Belichick was able to accomplish with New England. So without further ado, let's bring in Armando Seguero to get a little bit of reaction and to find out really the intricacies of what led to ultimately what ended up them going their separate ways. Something, Armando, we have been hearing about essentially all season long.
1: Well, we've been hearing about it because they haven't been playing well, Charlie. And you mentioned the record of late. They've had three losing seasons the past four years. And the NFL is nothing if not a Janet Jackson type, what have you done for me lately?
0: Do you have any information as as to what has transpired in the past 72 hours or, or, or more uh, that ultimately led to the decision being official this morning.
1: Bill Belichick was trying to save his job uh, the last 72 hours. He's met with Robert Kraft and Jonathan Kraft, the owner's son, uh, at least twice in the last since since Monday. And in those meetings, he's even pitched the idea of get this uh, stepping back from his personnel department. Uh, overseer duties, allowing someone to come in and help with personnel decisions because ultimately, you know...
0: So that would be his role as GM,
1: correct? Bill Belichick, the general manager, failed Bill Belichick, the head coach. And I think he recognized that. But bringing someone in new like that, it's it's a bridge too far for the crafts. How are they going to get along? Are we going to start over at this stage? With a seventy, you know, seventy something year old coach and a and a thirty something year old general manager, it didn't it didn't quite mesh for the Patriots.
0: Yeah, seventy one years old to be exact. Uh, not too shabby for a guy who's listen. Like we said, past few seasons haven't looked so good, but uh, you got to give him a lot of props regardless. Uh, so I ask now, you know, those conversations failed. Bill Belichick unable to save his job. Uh, So what do you think is next for him? I know there's a lot of teams that probably have their eye on bringing him in, the Atlanta Falcons for one What do you imagine is going to be the next step in Bill Belichick's career?
1: Well, I assume that he has already made up his mind whether he wants to coach or not. I've been told that he does. Uh, There are seven other openings. And he is 15 wins short of Don Shula's all-time record for most wins by an NFL coach ever. And that's not something that Bill Belichick is simply going to walk away from. He's going to chase that. And I believe that there are at least two or three teams. You mentioned the Falcons. That's one. The Chargers will look into it. The Raiders will look into it. Those are teams that, oh, and Carolina, of course. Those are teams that will, at at the very least, reach out to Bill Belichick and see if they can't come to some sort of agreement.
0: Mm-hmm. And then what about the Patriots? Because now they don't only have one vacancy to fill. They have two vacancies in head coach and general manager. So any idea how they're going to go about filling those spots or when or uh, with who? Are there any candidates that are already floating out there in terms of you know what you've been hearing?
1: Yeah, you're going to hear the we're going to cast the wide net phrase from the Patriots later today when uh, at noon they'll. They'll talk to the media along with Bill Belichick, but it's pretty clear that the uh, leader in the clubhouse right now is Mike Vrabel of the Tennessee Titans. He was surprisingly fired this week by the Titans. Vrabel is a former Patriot, is beloved by Robert Kraft. In fact, this year he was inducted into the Patriots Hall of Fame by Robert Kraft, and so he is definitely going to be. A candidate for the New England Patriots.
0: Okay, awesome. Well, uh, again, you know, we already had such big news coming our way as of yesterday. And then to wake up this morning and see this being made official, uh, Armando, I think, as I mentioned before, you can probably agree, this 24 hours in coaching and football, something that fans won't ever forget.
1: Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, when when Pete Carroll, Uh, is fired. And that's not the biggest headline of the day. People are talking about Nick Saban, like, you know, an hour later. Uh, It's been a big day and it's been a a huge couple of days because of all the fish, Bill Belichick is the biggest one.
0: Yeah. Well, now with all of these things happening, you know, the dominoes are going to fall where they will. Lots of different things are going to start happening. Uh, It's going to get very interesting. So, We're going to want to keep an eye out on this. Armando, thank you so much for uh, joining the program, and we will see you soon.
1: Outkick the Morning we will be right back after a short break. Stay tuned.
0: Okay, so like I just mentioned, the seismic day of coaching changes started around 5 o'clock yesterday. Uh, The news broke that Nick Saban was retiring Alabama after being there for 17 years. Uh, He also— if you can recall, because we always think about Nick Saban in Alabama. Uh, when you think about Nick Saban, you think about the Crimson Tide. But we can't forget he also spent two years with the Miami Dolphins. Uh, this helped to forge a 35-year-long friendship with none other than the man I was just talking about, Bill Belichick. So yesterday, Outkick founder Clay Travis hopped on hot Mike to talk about these two titans in American coaching. Listen to this
2: there's a lot of talk about Saban Belichick as the best coaches, college and pro remember that Saban coached against Belichick four times because the dolphins are in the same division as the uh, new England Patriots head to head. Nick Saban went two and two against bill Belichick. uh, Even when bill Belichick had Tom Brady and Saban had nowhere near that talent at the quarterback spot. So some people will denigrate Nick Saban's accomplishments and say, Oh yeah, he was great, but it's college. It's not that big of a deal. I always think it's kind of interesting to say, OK, head to head coaching against each other, even without Tom Brady uh, in the NFL, Nick Saban was able to go head to head. And one of the great unanswered questions of all of football in general, remember that the Miami Dolphins team doctor refused to sign off on Breeze yeah. Brees.
3: Yeah.
2: They were making the decision about who to sign as a free agent. He signed off on Dante Culpepper instead. If Nick Saban had gotten Drew Brees, I think there is a multiverse out there where Nick Saban never leaves the NFL, wins several Super Bowls with uh, with uh, Miami Dolphins. Sorry, Dolphins.
0: Wow, that was interesting. Uh, those are factors I don't think that most people even consider uh, when you think about really the trajectory of one's coaching career. One decision made by a doctor could have potentially convinced Nick Saban just say for the rest of his career in the NFL, uh, of course, Alabama fans, you're probably all very happy that Drew Brees was not signed off on to be able to uh, join the Dolphins. But uh, it is what it is. Let's get into his career, though, because, again, this is causing a huge disruption, a lot of uproar in the world of college football and beyond. Uh, so with that, let's bring in Trey Wallace for a little bit of reaction from him Hello, Trey. How's it going this morning? A lot of news to talk about. Um, when you first heard the news that Nick Saban was finally, after 17 season at, seasons at Alabama, going off, you know, living his life in a different direction, what did you think to yourself? I thought it was
4: uh, about time, I guess, is the best way to put it. Like, we, we, mm. we figured that Nick Saban would retire. You know, there were some Thinking retire after this season, or some thinking he retire after twenty twenty four, but it, it it just seemed right. It, it, it you know it's a shock to college football, uh, period. But when you when you look at his career overall and, and everything that he's done, coming off an SEC championship this year, even with a Rose Bowl loss uh, to to Michigan, it just when you when you really settle down into it and you get five hours into it, and the initial shock kind of wears off. You're like, okay, like I, I, I see why this happened. I see at his age why he is stepping away and wants to spend time with the family on the weekends and wants to get down to Jupiter Island and out in Florida, play golf. Like it just it's time for Nick Saban to start living his life. And uh that life is has to do with stuff outside of football. So, you know, it is a um it's a it's a it's going to be it's gonna take a while for the college football world to get over it because we're so used to seeing Nick Saban on the sidelines. We're so used to um, seeing him on his coaches' shows and, and especially the folks at Alabama. Like, that's the big thing. There's, a, there's going to be a massive culture shock because you're not going to have Nick Saban around every single day in the way that they've been running that program every single day for 17 years in Tuscaloosa. It all goes away. They're bringing in a new guy and uh, things are going to change.
0: Yeah, Nick Saban put out a statement saying, quote, we have enjoyed every minute of our 17 years being the head coach at Alabama, as well as becoming a part of the Tuscaloosa community. It's not just about how many games we won and lost, but it's about the legacy and how we went about it. We always tried to do it the right way. The goal was always to help players create more value for their future, be the best player they could be, and be more successful in life because they were part of the program. So, uh, Trey, yesterday— Clay Travis reacted after the news broke and he thinks college football will never know the same talent again. Listen to this.
2: I think Nick Saban is the greatest college football coach of all time. Um, And I'm not just saying that hyperbolically because suddenly he is retiring. I've thought it for a while. I made the argument that he was the most dominant and I questioned whether he would coach long enough to be the best. But I think when you consider seven national championships, six at Alabama, Uh, one at LSU, and this is the stat that stands out to me the most. And confirm that I'm right about this, obviously, because I'm driving to pick up my kids at school. Uh, But I believe Alabama was number one at some point in time in 2008, 2009, 2010, 2011, 2012, 2013, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, I don't think they got to number one in 2023, although I could be wrong, and they could have been number one this year as well. Uh, you guys can fact check that. The reason why I point that out is if you talk to people who have success in the world of coaching, in the world of business, in the world of life, having success is not the hard thing to do. Sustaining success is the hard thing to do. I don't believe we will ever see any coach in any of our lives, in any of the lives of anyone that is listening right now, even if you've got a five-year-old and you're playing this audio for somebody who's five years old and you're in your car right now. I don't believe anybody will ever do that in college football again. I don't think anybody will ever be as dominant as Nick Saban was during his uh, run at Alabama. Uh, for a lot of programs, getting to number one ever is incredible. For a lot of coaches, winning a single national championship is incredible. Um, and uh, and so for what Nick Saban did uh, during his tenure at Alabama, in conjunction with the national championship at LSU, I don't think anybody has ever been better as a college football coach. That includes Bear Bryant, that includes Bobby Bowden, that includes uh, uh, you know, uh, anybody that you can go through the list.
0: Clay just said a lot there. And Trey, I also want to go ahead and bring in Glenn Gilbo. Uh, Sabin won a national championship at LSU. Glenn, of course, covered Saban uh, during that time. So you have a lot of firsthand insight as well. Uh, gentlemen, uh, Glenn, I'll start with you here since you just joined the show. Clay just spewed so much information about why Nick Saban may very well just be the greatest of all time. I was not expecting him to rattle off so many years in a row. I'm like, okay, wait, you're going to stop there. You're going to stop there. And he just kept going and going and going. Uh, Then went on to say there might have been one year where he didn't reach number one. Uh, It's a tremendous accomplishment. Do you believe, Glenn, that Nick Saban will go down in history as the greatest of all time? I mean, of course, unless someone wants to come and beat him to the punch. But at this point, upon his retirement...
3: Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I think he's been the greatest all-time for the last several years, really. I mean, no one's going to get close to seven national championships, and and he did them. He got all seven just from 2003 through 2020, whereas Bear Bryant won his six from 1961 to 79. Uh, you know, different game, but still. And, and the amazing thing about Nick, He lost three championship national championship games, so he could have 10, you know, Uh, and he was in the playoffs, the college football playoffs every year, but, but two. Uh, So it's just an amazing uh, run by him. And, and the team he left at LSU won a national championship three years later, which you'd think, Oh, well, the saving mark is gone, but actually there were more than 30 players he recruited, signed, and coached on the LSU team a full three years after he left. So that, that tells you how good a team he left at LSU uh, to go to Miami. In fact, when he when he went to Alabama, he was coaching against guys he recruited that were still at LSU three years later. So it, it, just an amazing run of championships and draft choices that he recruited that became NFL draft choices, first-round draft choices.
0: When you when you look at Saban, are you able to pinpoint any differences between when he was a coach at LSU, of course had the stint where he left to go to the NFL but then went to Alabama, uh, the two Sabans that coached in college football, did you see any differences between the two?
3: Well, it just kept getting better. I mean, when, when he came to LSU in 2000, he had a pretty average record at Michigan State. And he was known as a, as a great future coach. He had worked under Belichick as Belichick's defensive coordinator with the Cleveland Browns. But he, he was still uh, he was still getting better when he was at LSU because he actually had an eight and five season in 2002. Um and and then you know had the breakthrough season in 03 but he he just he just kept getting better that that's the thing about him he's always the smartest guy in the room and and he kept improving and the key thing about his national championships is the game changed while he was a coach and instead of refusing to change like many coaches do he changed and he hired Lane Kiffin and totally changed his offense from a run defense dominated team to uh, pass happy offense and got great quarterbacks. Uh, so he, he made major changes while he was coaching.
0: Trey, there's so many stories that people have about Nick Saban. Some very positive, some maybe not so much. Do you have a personal favorite anecdote uh, of the times that you had the opportunity to cover Nick Saban?
4: Yeah, I mean I look I, I grew up in in Mobile, Alabama. Uh Nick Saban would always make uh yearly appearances, uh, maybe every 6 months appearances for his charity uh down in the area. And and you know, getting to spend time with Nick Saban, uh whether that be on uh, on a golf course uh, as a media member or whether that be a, a backstage before he takes you know, to the podium to to talk to a, a thousand people sitting in the convention center. Um, there's you know, there there's small things that stand out, you know, during his career uh to me out, outside of, of football. I, I remember, you know, two years ago, uh, and Glenn's gonna know this really well. Two years ago, there there was a darn LSU kid, you know, that, that snuck in through the SEC spring meeting, snuck in the back uh just to see Nick Saban. And tried to bribe him to retire. Uh, and I remember writing about that. Uh it, it was it was crazy at the time. I, I spoke with a kid about it, and you know, he said he offered Nick Saban five grand to leave. And then, then you know, I talked with Nick Saban and me and him had a conversation on the way out of, of the hotel, just me and him and talking about, yeah, he was a cute kid uh at the time and I didn't take him up on the offer. Crazy enough, two years later, Nick Saban does retire. But you know, I I think it's the small things, I think it's the the funny works and remarks he makes in press conferences over the years. Um, you know, even taking shots at media members for their questions. Uh, you look back on on certain things, and you're like, okay, uh, that was a pretty cool dude. Um, and and he handled things with class, in my opinion. Uh, you you never saw him personally have, uh, in my opinion, uh, any types of problems outside of that facility. What he did for the the city of Tuscaloosa, the state of Alabama, with his Knicks Kids Foundation, him and alongside his wife, Mrs. Terry. Um, It's just so much that they invested into that state. If he were to run for governor tomorrow, he would be the next governor in the state of Alabama. Um, Ah. That's just how popular he was. And and, and you could see it last night. There were fans outside of Bryant-Denny Stadium. You'd have thought he passed away. There were fans outside the stadium and a statue laying moon pies, not moon pies, oatmeal pies uh at, at the feet. There was Coke bottles. People were singing Dixieland Delight. Um, it, it was it was a, a surreal scene. And um, you know, that's just that's what Nick Saban brought. And uh, folks are folks are gonna miss not seeing him on the sidelines, but um a lot of stories, and I I'm, I promise you Glenn's got a lot as well.
0: Yeah, before we get to Glenn's favorite story, because there's so many different aspects of Nick Saban, we actually have a montage of the best of Nick Saban. So let's take a look at that first.
5: You do what everybody else in the media does, just create some sh- and throw it on the wall and see what sticks, which is what I see happening everywhere. Why, why don't you start calling around and see if you can get somebody else to play us, and we'll play them. I, we'll play anybody you can get to play us. You know, all that stuff you write about how good we are? and all that stuff they hear on ESPN, it's like poison, you know what I mean? It's like taking poison, like rat poison. So we're gonna play everybody who can expedite winning the game. That's what, that's what we're gonna do. So I don't think anybody should expect us to do anything else. Do you guys take math? Do you have math class? No, don't, can, did you learn how to add when you did have math class? Like 22 and three make 25, I mean. If I could tell you why you asked that question, Hell, I wouldn't be up here. Right? I mean, so how do I know why we didn't practice good on Wednesday? Now, y'all scared to ask another question?
0: One of a kind, that's for sure. Okay, so Trey, we already heard your favorite story about Nick Saban. Glenn, feel free to share yours now.
3: Well, I got a funny one. Uh, When Nick was at LSU, You know, he was one of the highest he was the highest paid coach in college football, and he was only making one point two million, if you can believe that in 2000. And he used to do his weekly radio show at a little Mexican restaurant in Baton Rouge, and he'd have a media guest. So uh, I I went to it uh, with my girlfriend, Michelle, who's now my wife. And uh, during a break, Nick would go talk to all the fans and everything. And during the break, Michelle came up to me and. Said she wanted to get a margarita, so I went to, for my wallet, and I didn't have it. And Nick goes, "Oh, I got money," and I said, "Yeah, I, I, we all know you have money, Nick." So Nick gave me a twenty-dollar bill. So I mean, you know, he's not greedy. Nice guy.
0: Wow, I love that story. I want a margarita from Nick Saban. That would be a, that would be a cool story for me to take with me. Um, well, I'll pay them back. Guys, I'll there pay was back. Uh, there was a lot of um, speculation that's been surrounding Nick Saban really all season long? Because he's been smiling more. I mean, even at the beginning of the season, people were like, wait a second, why is he smiling? Is there something more to this? Even, you know, after losing the other night, people were seeing smiles on his faces and, you know, people love to stir the pot. They love to just assume like something's happening, conspiracy theories, if you will. Uh, Do you believe, Trey, that there was something behind the fact that we saw Saban smiling more this season.
4: I <laughs> that question has been um, back and forth all season long, and and look, I, I think I think the man was just having fun coaching college football, and I think we finally got to see a different side of him. And and I, I think that you know whether that be on on television appearances once a week, whether that being a little bit more cordial with the media, um, you know, a lot of them have taken some uh, some some yellings over the last number of years. Lynn and I are both have have, have dealt with Saban in, in different types of ways. Um, I, I think that when we when we look back on on this past season, um, first of all, I think it was one of his best coaching jobs that he's ever done um as a head coach in college football, um, especially you know after that Texas loss. But just in general, I think the man was 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 ready to kind of open up a little bit, um, a little bit more of his self. Um and and you know something. His wife, Miss Terry, preaches about all the time. You know you're a little bit too hard on the Nick. Uh, you know show a bit a little more personality. Um, you always see her on the sidelines, you know, with the pom poms jumping up and down and ready to jump into the Nick Saban's arms after every game. It's just you know it's the small things that kind of stand out um, of the whole grand scheme. And and, and you know do we see signs? Yes and no. I mean the guy was interviewing candidates for his open coaching position on his staff on Tuesday and yesterday morning. He was on the SEC coaches teleconference from 11 to 12 o'clock yesterday, talking about different rules that needed to be changed, stuff that could help Alabama in the future. I was told by multiple sources, he was very animated on that call. And then all of a sudden, four hours later, actually it was two and a half hours later, he walks into his athletic director's office and says, "I'm resigning." It mm. Nick Saban went out the way Nick Saban wanted to go. That was figuring out the future of the program, uh, interviewing yeah. coaches, making sure the offseason was right. Just it's wild to see how it all comes into to, to fruition.
0: Yeah, I'm sure it was a really tough decision. You know, part of him, you can tell he's so passionate about coaching and the program and his players. I'm sure it was hard to walk away, but ultimately, uh, like we've been talking about, there's there's another side of life, you know, that you're not able to live to the fullest when you have so many responsibilities to so many different people, to a massive fan base. Uh, but you're right, I, I truly do believe Nick Saban went out on his own terms, and that's important. But now, it's important to really look forward to what's next for Alabama. And we know one thing, and Clay Travis articulated this very well yesterday on Hot Mic, It is never, never easy to follow in the footsteps of a legend. Listen to this.
2: But typically, you don't want to be the guy who follows the legend. You want to be the guy who follows the guy who follows the legend. Because the expectations are so high that it's very hard to fulfill them. Um, And that's why I think whoever takes over this Alabama job, it's a prime position. But boy, oh boy, is it uh, jumping into... A, uh, a boiling pot the likes of which frankly there isn't any example of prior and I'll just point out that it took Alabama 25 years whatever the math is from Bear Bryant's death to finding Nick Saban they spent a generation in the football wilderness trying to find so I understand the Alabama fan position of, oh, we'll just go get another guy and plug him in and he's going to be dominant. I'm trying to think of a historical analogy in coaching. Maybe the best one you could point to is Jimmy Johnson to Barry Switzer. Uh, you know, if you think about uh, the, uh, that, that sort of transition, to me, there's a lot of easier ones where you say, boy, the legend who handed off the baton, there wasn't any championship that followed and there was a slow retrogression where, regression, I should say, where normalcy returned. I just think it's going to be hard to find anybody who can approach the level of success as Nick Saban, no matter who you hire. Uh,
0: definitely right about that. So, Glenn, I pose to you, how do you follow in the footsteps of someone like this?
3: Yeah, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be difficult. Uh, I mean let's let's say the new coach wins uh two national championships over his first five or six years on the job he's not even halfway there you know <laughs> Nick won six at Alabama uh so uh that, that's gonna be an amazing job to uh amazing man to follow but um you know I'm sure they'll get a great coach uh I, I really like Lane Kiffin. Moving over there, used to be their offensive coordinator, Dan Lanning at Oregon, would be an excellent uh, young rising coach as well. Uh, But it's going to be fun to see who they get.
0: Yeah, definitely going to be a very interesting next couple of months. Uh, Trey, what do you think? Do you think that there's a perfect guy for the job? What's going to happen next?
4: I mean, (laughs) perfect job. The, the biggest thing that they're going to have to understand is, is that they have to come in and they have to do it their way. They can't try to do it the Nick Saban way. If they do it that way, they're going to fail. Um, and, and they have to come in and they have to put their foot down. This is what I want to do as a head coach. Um, this is how I want to run my program. They're going to bring their own people in folks that have been at Alabama for 17 years under Nick Saban. They're probably going to move Have to move on different directions in their career, because this is what happens when you bring new head coaches, they're going to bring a lot of their own folks. And you know, I, I a perfect candidate. I mean it it it's tough at the moment, you know. Uh like Glenn said, Lane Kiffin, yeah, he's got ties, but we'll see if he is um we'll see if Alabama folks can can get over the past uh and 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 potentially, you know, interview him for the job. I don't think you have to do that much interviewing, you know, Lane Kiffin. But I will throw out another name. Glenn did throw out Dan Lanning. Of course, obviously he's gonna be connected to this job and there's probably gonna be conversations. Uh, between him and his agent, but Mike Norvell at Florida State is another one uh, who I think that, that came on strong this past year. Um, can can build a program, has done good in recruiting. Uh, they're just—it's it, going to be interesting to see how big of a swing that they take on this job. Which it, it's going to be big. But do those coaches—and—and and, and that's perfectly mentioned by Clay—do these coaches want to follow Nick Saban, or with these coaches in a high-profile position rather than just kind of chill out? maybe go play for a national championship or whatnot, and then in three to four years when the guy can't replace Nick Saban and everything goes to hell in a handbasket with Tuscaloosa, that's when the big-name coach comes in and saves the day. It's going to be very tricky. It's going to be interesting to see uh, which candidate ends up taking the job when offered because it's not Mm -hmm. – I will stress this. It's not an automatic thing. Just because you're offered the Alabama job, you don't automatically take it. There's a lot of factors that go into it. So I'm very curious to see what the next 72 to, to you know, I think five days, 72 hours, five days, looks like uh, with Alabama naming a new head coach.
0: Yeah, and then one final aspect of it that really strikes me is the potential future athletes on the Alabama football team. Uh, I'm yeah. sure there's so many young guys out there who are devastated because it was probably their dream to go play for Nick Saban in Alabama. So how is this going to affect recruitment? Trey?
4: Yeah, I mean, Charlie, you know, you look at it yesterday. I I was talking with some folks that were in that meeting uh, with Nick Saban and his staff and nobody knew it was coming, um, probably besides the athletic director and whatnot. But they walked in a lot of shocked faces, uh, a lot of kids that uh, committed to Alabama to play for Nick Saban. A lot of a lot of young athletes that have turned down NIL money from other places. A lot of NIL money uh, to take a okay some NIL money here, but also play for Nick Saban. Um, so it's it's very interesting. Uh, I am kind of glad Nick Saban announced when he announced that gives players now an opportunity. Mm-hmm. It should be noted every athlete on that roster, student athlete, now has thirty days. Uh, to to figure out what they want to do with their college football career, whether that's enter the transfer portal or stay at Alabama. You're going to have coaches flying in from all over the country trying to persuade kids to leave. Keeping the roster intact is the main thing, and I think that's Mm -hmm. why you're seeing Alabama really try to get this hire done sometime within the next four to five days just to keep the roster. But it is big, Charlie. I mean, you know, two years ago, a kid – coming out of the state of Georgia, a five-star who said, I mean, I get to play for Nick Saban. Two years later, he's not, but guess what? That's why we have the transfer portal now, and that's why we're paying student-athletes, so – very interesting to see what happens.
0: It is very interesting. I'm so thankful to both of you for your insight and helping to break all of this down because it was massive news. Uh, that's only going to continue to evolve, uh, like you said, over the course of the next 72 hours, up to five days. Who knows? Uh, maybe we'll have a little bit more of an answer, but I think it's true. There's only one person who can do it the Nick Saban way, and that's Nick Saban. And when you really look at the collective of his career at Alabama, seven college national championships, one with LSU. Six with Alabama. uh, That's over the course of seventeen years. Four Heisman Trophy winners: Mark Ingram, Derrick Henry, Devontae Smith, Bryce Young. One hundred sixteen Crimson Tide players drafted into the NFL during his tenure at Alabama. Forty-one of those first-round picks, and he ultimately ended ended his career at Alabama with an amazing two hundred six and twenty-nine record. So a lot. To be proud of, I know this next chapter of his life is going to be just as exciting. But, gentlemen, thank you so much for being here, and I totally appreciate it. Thanks,
4: Charlie. Appreciate
1: it. Outkick the Morning we will be right back after a short break. Stay tuned.
0: Um. Okay, well, I don't think the next 24 hours will be nearly as exciting as this past one, which is probably a good thing. Uh, some things need to remain the way they are. It's just too much for our brains to comprehend and absorb in such a short amount of time. But uh, that was a fun show. Uh, Lots of crazy news. And uh, listen, I say we don't want any more, but who knows what's going to happen. So uh, make sure you're always tuning in to Outkick the Morning uh, for everything that's going on, whether breaking, trending, you know, just to see what I'm up to. Uh, And if you want to see what I'm up to, you know, you can always follow me on social media at Charlie on TV. But until tomorrow, everybody have a fantastic Thursday. We have got an exciting show for you tomorrow. We've got a very special guest. I'm giving no more clues, but you're gonna love him. So we'll see you tomorrow, have a good one.